You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host for today, Ed Valentine. Today's show will feature an interview with former New York Giant Brandon London, who will be here to discuss some of the controversy in the conference championship games. He'll also talk about his new television job and the 2007 Giants run to the Super Bowl, a team that Brandon was part of. Before we get to that, just a couple of notes regarding the New York Giants. First, wanted to wish good luck to uh, former Giants defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo who is reportedly the leading candidate for the defensive coordinator job with the Kansas City Chiefs. Spags is a good coach, better person, and we hope that uh, that he gets that job. He deserves to be back in the NFL if that is something that he would like to do. So fingers crossed for Spags that he ends up with that job. Second of all, just wanted to remind folks that uh, we know the Senior Bowl is going on this week. We've had plenty of coverage at BigBlueView.com. We've had a podcast here uh, with uh, Jason Evans discussing Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. Just wanted to encourage you to check out all of our coverage at BigBlueView.com, all of our draft profiles, everything that we continue to do as the buildup to the draft continues and we get you ready to find out what the Giants will do when their turn comes up in the 2019 NFL Draft. Okay, without any further delay, let's play the interview that I did with Brandon London. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by former New York Giant Brandon London, who is also the co-host of Daily Blast Live and part of Giants TV. Brandon, how are you today? Oh, man, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait to talk some uh, some, some football. Hey, you know, I, I, I thought about getting you on the other day. I saw on uh, on Daily Blast Live you... Uh, you kind of went off on the uh, on what happened Sunday with the uh, the officiating in the Saints Rams game. Uh, just tell folks what you said, and we'll talk about that quickly. Well, you know, I was I was upset, you know, um, because anytime as a player, you know, you think about the long journey that you have throughout the OTAs, throughout workouts, you know, you're away from your family, uh, you're working your buzz off, you're trying to make a team, you're trying to uh, form an identity of a team. Then you go through an entire football season where you go through the ups and downs, injuries, bad play, sometimes bad coaching, that sort of thing. And you get to the playoffs, you're hot, you're playing good football, you know, a lot of players on your team are, are, are making plays, and at the end of the game, the game is taken away from you by the referees. 
and I know it's unfortunate. I know we talk human error. Um, I know we, you know, we say that the Rams, you know, the Saints got the ball back. They should have scored in the overtime or whatever. But had that pass interference call been called, the Saints would have been able to down the ball three times, kick the field goal with a couple seconds left, and they'd be headed to the Super Bowls. Um, and Sean Payton said all he got was an apology from the NFL. And at that time when you're looking at uh, had they gone to the Super Bowl and won, you, you're winning over $200,000 for winning the Super Bowl. You don't want an apology at that situation. So I propose that the NFL starts doing what the CFL does and you're able to challenge certain plays, uh, certain penalties. If you think that there's a pass interference on a, on a play, you can challenge that. If you think that it was a, a, a pass interference was called and you don't think that it was a pass interference, you would be able to challenge that. Now, in this case, the NFL would be able to jump in because it was under two minutes. And with all the TV, all the cameras and technology that the NFL has going on, then they should be able to put something in place to where someone can phone in and say, hey, that a PI call needed to be called right there, and the Saints got the ball. You know, it's interesting because I do think – that uh, pass interference in some way, shape, or form has got to become a reviewable play in the NFL. Uh, just, you know, without, without going too far into this, because I do want to hit a couple of other topics with you today, yep. are you on the bandwagon that says everything should be reviewable, or do we just need to, to expand it to, to pass interference and certain penalties? I would say certain penalties, and I would say for the sake of the game, it would have to be blatant. I mean, if you think about it, there's holding on every play call, uh, on every play. You know, there's PI on every play because DBs are taught that if a receiver push, they pull, you know, so that receiver doesn't gain any sort of unfair leverage. But I think that something blatant calls that are missed, like the roughing and passer against Tom Brady, and that and that Chiefs drives, I think those should be some things that are that are reviewable because those are big plays. A 15-yard penalty is a big play, you know. So you should be able to look at those and either tack on the penalty or take one off. So Brandon, I really want to talk to you a little bit about the Giants. And at Big Blue View, throughout the the off season, we've been running a series called A Date to Remember which looks at some of the greater moments, some of the greater games in Giants history. And today happens to be an anniversary of a game on the, that the 2007 Giants were involved in, and that's a team where you spent the year on the practice squad for the 2007 Giants, correct? Yep. So... What I wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking about, obviously about the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, and we're talking about that season in particular. What do you remember about that game, and, and you know, more, more expansively about that season in particular? Well, in 2007, the NFC Championship game was at Green Bay, um, um, uh, in the in the frigid cold, I remember those guys went on. Uh, I think that the, the 49ers game was, was another year. I think there was a 2011 season for the 49ers game. Um, but back in 07, if we're, if we're talking the championship game, uh, what I vividly remember is that 
Corey Webster interception because it was like a post-corner route, corner route uh, by Donald Driver. And like you said, me being on the practice squad that year, I had to be the opposing team's number one receiver. I would put the jersey on, um, but, you know, red jersey that, you know, for Dallas, I'd wear the 81 UTL. So that week I had to be uh, Donald Driver. And we were working on that route because that was a staple and Green Bay's offense. So the first time I ran that route, I believe it was on a, a two, the Wednesday practice against Corey Webster. I called it on the sideline. He jumped it. He knew the formation. He jumped it. I still made the catch. And I'll always remember this. He clapped his he not, not like clapped his hands, slapped his hands, and he goes, dang, I got to make that play. So then the Friday, we, you know, we – we ran it again. We did different formations. We did different scenarios, um, and we ran it again. And I, I think he broke on it, and he, he he batted it down. And he was still upset with himself that he didn't pick it because he knew what Bruce studied through watching film, through formation. He knew what to look for. So I believe they ran that same play earlier in the game. I believe it was the first or second quarter, but I believe by the, because of pressure, Brett Favre wasn't able to throw the ball. Fast forward to the fourth quarter, they ran that exact same play, same route. Corey Webster jumped it, made the interception. I will always remember when they got back um, and we had the meeting for Tom Coughlin was prepping us for Super Bowl week and telling us how we were going to get our hard practices in the first week because the second week when you get out there to Arizona at that time, which was hosting the Super Bowl, you know, everything is going to go so fast. You're not going to be able to practice hard. You're not going to be able to, you know, to, to get in as much film and study time. So when we had that meeting, he, Corey Webster walked up to me, gave me a high five, gave me like a hug, and was like, b and I want you to know you got me ready for that play. You got me ready for this game. And I'll always remember that to this day. That interception put us in the Super Bowl. So I can't believe I messed that up. I've been looking at the 2011 story that we posted today. <laughs> but I've been yeah. reading so many of these lately and, and thinking about so many of the good memories. But, but the takeaway from that is you're sitting here taking credit for that pick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not going to take Full credit. I, I give myself a cool uh, 10 to 15 percent. But honestly, you know, Ed, I, I really feel as though you know people can, you know, people make fun of me at times, you know, when I when I say this. But I honestly feel like I was one of the most important players on that team because if you look at the wide receivers that we had to go up against in uh, in the playoffs, Joey Galloway, Terrell Owens, uh, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, and uh, and, and Randy Moss. You could see the, the Daily Post or I forget or whatever post. You could see them. They ran an article on me when they said I was mini Moss, you know, because how I had to, how I had to get the DBs ready for guys like Randy Moss and that sort of thing. So you know, I, I don't necessarily take credit because I wasn't out there on the field with them, you know. But in terms of preparation, I worked my butt off to get those guys ready. The Jabril Wilson, Sam, Mad Dog, Madison. Um, the, the R.W. McCorders, Kevin Dockery. I, I, you can ask any one of those guys about when they saw me line up against them, you know, me being scout team, they knew they weren't going to take a playoff. Or they knew they weren't going to get it easy because I was hungry and I knew I had a job to do to prep those guys and also get myself ready, just game ready, just in case something had happened. So, you know, I, I like to say that, I, you know, I played a big part in, in getting the team ready for the Super Bowl. It, it is an example of some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on and the fact that 
that football is about more than, you know, one or two guys. It's about more than the quarterback. It's about more than the star offensive player. It's about everyone, you know, who's involved in a given team. Oh, most definitely, and you can even go even further. Like, you look at the Giants facility, you're in there all the time. You see in the cafeteria how everyone in that organization kind of eats together. You know, the players are down there. The marketing team is down there. Giants TV with Bob Parpa and uh, Carl Banks and all those guys, they're over in another another area of the cafeteria. And it just goes to show you um, – and what fans really have to understand sometimes is that everyone in that building, in that facility, has one goal in mind, and that's to do whatever they have to do to win the Super Bowl. So if you're on the PR staff, you're getting the players ready for uh, all types of interviews and prepping them to what they think that the New York media is going to throw at them. When it comes to marketing, they're doing all types of sponsorships with Bud and Models and Pepsi and, and, and that sort of thing. So everyone has a job to do in terms of making the organization look great, making everything run smoothly. But in turn, when you're working hard like that, then that's how teams win Super Bowls because it, it just makes it that much easier for players. You know, Brandon, let's talk about the current Giants quickly. You were around enough in 2017. You know, you, you saw – you know, how things kind of deteriorated. This past season, the Giants won only five games. You know, no one is happy with a five-win season. But when you look at the Giants, where they are now versus where they were maybe at the end of 2017, do you feel like this team, this franchise, is pointed back in a direction you know that that could take them back toward toward being a contending a contending football team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because back in 2017, you know, um, when I would fly in, because I was with a you know morning show, and I wasn't there uh, every day like I was during the 2016 season. But like you said, I was around enough. And when we went on that losing streak, only when winning three games, you could see the morale was down in the entire building, the entire building. It was like you were walking on eggshells the entire time. And you know me, I, I'm in the locker room with the guys, and I have the job to do with in terms of doing uh, how well do you know segments or know your giant segments and, like, playful type of segments with the guys that are going to air on the Jumbotron at MetLife Stadium. No one wanted to do that. No one wanted to do anything playful. No one wanted to do anything in terms of having any sort of fun because losing was fun. And then you heard the grumblings, not only from the players but the fans. Fast forward or rewind to last year around the same time, the morale was up. The morale was high. Guys knew or guys felt like they could beat the Bears. Guys felt like they were going to win against uh, a 49ers team or whomever it is that, that, that we had to um, – we had to play this year. And you can see that in the way they played. Guys were competing. I think if you look at it, we lost a lot of games by less than, you know, 10 to 7 to 10 points. You know, we're a couple plays away, a couple bad uh, early uh, starts, you know, lethargic starts. To, in terms of uh, uh, putting ourselves in the hole, you look at the Philly game. We were going all, we were throwing and running all over them in the first half, and then we ended up losing that game in, in the second half. You didn't see that last year. You would see team. You would see us. I mean, you didn't see that two years ago. 
you would see us go down, and then you would see guys kind of, I mean, you, you'd see kind of give up, not put in the effort, you know. And, and you look at guys and people saying that Ben McAdoo had lost the locker room and, you know, things with Eli Apple and all that stuff that got leaked out into the public. You could see that, but you didn't see that last year. So I feel as though at least this year we walked away knowing that we had a solid rookie class last year. We have a running back of the future. Um, the only questions I feel as though we're walking away with, with, all right, how are we bringing guys to strengthen our defense? Obviously, there's the Eli Manning question, which has been there for quite some time. And then how do we strengthen our offensive line a little bit more? But, I mean, I, 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 you can see that in the fans, I believe, you know, the fans knew that guys were actually out there competing. And uh, I think people are, are, are excited about where we are now as opposed to where we were last year at this time. You know, Brandon, I know that you don't have a whole lot more time here today, but I did want to ask you, you know, you're a former player, played in the CFL, spent some time in the NFL, and now what you do with the Giants you know, I see you before games a lot of times. You're headed out to the parking lot to talk to fans. You're doing some of the things, like you said, that's, that, that wind up on the Jumbotron. It's a vastly different experience for you. Just tell me a little bit about what that transition has been like for you and, and what that experience is like. I know you're up in the crowd during training camps as well. You know, what that experience is like for you, you know, getting out there and, and getting one-on-one -on -one with, with Giants fans. I mean, it's a blessing, man. It's an absolute blessing, and I'm humbled because of it because if you think about it, you look at the last two gigs, you know, that I've booked, you know, the morning show or the talk show that I'm – the nationally syndicated talk show that I'm on now called Daily Blast Live, and then the show last year that I spent a little time with called Morning Dose – which was a which was a morning uh, a morning talk show. I wouldn't have gotten those gigs if it wasn't for my time with the New York Giants. When I retired from the CFL, I was raw. I couldn't read teleprompter. Don Sperling, who's the executive producer and head of Giants TV, took a chance on me because they told me, and this is why people should always remember there are people watching you at all times. They told me that I was a pleasure pleasure to be around during my, my uh, practice squad time there and my time there. They said I was always working hard. I always had some sort of personality. And then we fast forward, what, eight to ten, nine, ten years later, and they brought me in for my first real gig, you know. And then you, you get the chance of being around uh, the Odell Beckham Jr., being around Eli, who I used to sit next to, um, in meetings, in offensive meetings back during my rookie year. You get around to be around Zach Diossis, who you came in with as a rookie, and it's just a blessing to be around football. And then you get a chance to go and hang out with fans. When I go do the fan caves, you know, um, and I go and highlight one of the Giants fans' fan caves, you get to hear the stories about how these people became Giants fans, how, you know, you hear about people's grandparents being on their deathbed, passing down memorabilia, to keep it in the family. You hear about uh, Wellington Merrill handwriting letters to fans back in like the 1920s, 1930s. You hear about that stuff and you feel a part of an organization. And I think I'm just the example of, I'm, I'm the example of what they call once a giant, always a giant. No, I wasn't Michael Strahan. I'm not in the ring of honor. I'm not Justin Tuck. I'm not Osi Yermanura. But I'm still well, I'm still 
on the Jumbotron. I'm still access on the field, hanging out with, you know, Mr. Merrill, talking to him before the games. Um, Mr. Gettleman calling me, hey, Mr. London, you remember me from my rookie year, that sort of thing. So I look at it as a blessing because it sparked my career, and I look at it where, you know, one day I'll be able to look back on it give Don Sperling a huge hug, have him in my Emmy speech because he's the guy that got me started in this TV career. Hey, Brandon, really appreciate your taking a few minutes. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's at Brandon London TV on Twitter, correct? Yes, sir, all social media outlets. All right, and you're always welcome to, uh, to come here on Big Blue View Radio and spend a few minutes with us, so hopefully we'll be talking with you again. Uh, no problem, and I, I thank you for having me on. And I'm uh, actually headed uh, in a little bit to Orlando for the to cover the Pro Bowl practices, and also, you know, fans if they want to get a behind the scenes uh, look at Michael Thomas, Ajik Rosas, and those guys, what they do behind the scenes at the Pro Bowl to make sure they follow my Instagram stories and and IG so they can see that. You, you had to tell me that when I'm looking out my window at a foot and a half of snow, didn't you? It's all right. Out here in Denver, it snowed last night as well, so I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you again soon, Brandon. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Brandon London for spending some time with us. Uh, please remember to follow Brandon at Brandon London TV. Please remember to check out BigBlueView.com. Follow us on Twitter at BigBlueView. Check us out on Instagram at Big underscore Blue.com. Check us out on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to Big Blue View podcasts, both mine and the twice-weekly show that Chris Flum and Dan Pizzuta do on all of your favorite podcast applications. All right, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.